630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. What we should do is we should just make a playlist of the best of inside sports guitar rock. Would we be, would we be allowed to sell that? Or could I just make or could I just make a, a playlist on Apple Music and put and make it public for people? Can you do things like that? I guess I wouldn't make any money off that. But the listeners would get to hear all the songs that we play. But then and you know what's cool is because I've always, I, I've always felt like that I was the only person left in the world who still listened to a lot of 80s rock and 80s bands. Not that's the only thing I like, but I like that genre of music. I enjoy a lot of Weezer. I enjoy uh, Foo Fighters. Uh, I, I saw Everclear has a, a new, uh, new record out. <laughs> I, I enjoy that. I enjoy the guitar rock, the melodic rock, sometimes stuff a little heavier. That's what I like, right? And so that's the songs we have coming back from break are the things I enjoy because I get to pick the songs. So it's a way I get to indulge myself in terms of hosting a show. Uh, so I wonder if, uh, so. I, but I always felt like I, I was the last remaining person that, that liked all this stuff. But now I find the odd time someone will text in and say, oh, Reed, what was that song? Or, or hey, was that off the new Def Leppard album, which that 7 o'clock intro song is? Uh, and I also was very flattered earlier today to come into work and see I had a voicemail. And you don't get a lot of voicemails anymore. Like I, I might get one voicemail a month. And it was a regular listener who uh, is also calls in quite frequently who hosts uh, a rock show midnight on Tuesdays on CJSR. That's the university station. And tomorrow at midnight, I'm, I'm going to listen to this when I get home after the game, tomorrow at midnight they are featuring the Def Leppard album High and Dry on their show, and he called to let me know about it. I thought, this is great. Maybe we'll work on that playlist, Matthew. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630. Chad, you can text 630-630. Jag says, it's not about being 2-1. and one. It's about the lack of discipline again. Buffalo's two best players are out, and the entire team plays like bantam leaguers. These guys are pros paid millions. This was the same as previous years. When will they finally learn? Well, Jake, I, I mean, I guess I would say that, Jake, aren't, aren't you therefore looking forward to tomorrow's game? Because we'll get an indication of who they're starting to be this year, of who they might be this year, right? Hey, you're right, Jake. If, if they come out and stink tomorrow and make a lot of the same mistakes and aren't detailed, then, then yes, I, I will be a lot harder on the team. Absolutely. If they come out and respond... And, and play a, a you know a solid game, a good game, an excellent game, and are competitive and, and detailed and, and stick with it, um, then maybe we see, okay, you know, they're figuring some things out. Maybe maybe they're maybe this is an actual step in the right direction or a tippy toe in the right direction. That's all I, that's all I would say to that, Jack. Uh, Michael says, I disagree with Drew Armenda. Benoit Pouliot is not like a kid. He needs to sit out. About Darnell Nurse, 
Paul says the NHL is not a developmental league. Nurse doesn't understand how to defend yet. He's not going to learn that in the NHL. Uh, I don't know, Paul. I, I do think... I know what you're saying, it's not a developmental league, but for some players it is. If you're a high enough draft pick and have a skill set, you will be allowed to develop in the NHL. And it's not just the Oilers that have that have done this. Other te- I mean, go look around the league. Every team has young players in the lineup. Every every player has young every team has young players in the lineup. I, I just think look, I, I recognize there have been flaws in Nurse's game. I just don't know. I mean, certainly he's one of the best seven defensemen in the Oilers organization. I, I think the Oilers are going to be patient with Nurse. I, I don't think they're going to they're going to panic and send him down. I really don't. And I, I know a lot of you will disagree with that. I'm just telling you what I what I think you should expect from how they're they've handled this player in the past and how they appear to be handling him this year. And I do think. Darnell Nurse, shaky in game one. I thought he played well in Calgary. I th- Personally, I think to single out Darnell Nurse last night is excessive and even a little mean-spirited, given the way the entire team played. And let's face it, last night's game was perhaps the worst I have ever seen Oscar Clefbaum play. And as a result, Nurse got moved to play with Darnell, with uh, Adam Larson. Okay? So that's that's... You know what? I, I'm not going to stop anybody from criticizing a guy, criticizing a guy. But if if you want to re- me to respond to it, that's my response. We have Brian on the line. Hey, Brian. Hey, Reed. How are you tonight? I'm doing quite well. What's going on with you? Oh uh, well, I heard you talk. I just had the radio, and I heard you talking about. Uh, yeah, you know the uh, about the uh, game they brought last night. But uh, you know, it was almost to me. It was like. Uh, you could almost see it coming because they they win two games against Calgary, very emotional, um, you know. And then Buffalo comes in town, and here's a team that was on the bottom, and they their top two player, <laughs> top two boards aren't dressed. And uh, you, you know the Oilers are at home; they're, it's a weekend, so time to relax. It, to me, it, it it just it seems like um, a lesson that they that you know for the, the better teams. They're consistent, and you're seeing just a, a, you know, like the game Sunday night, the game last night was was terrible. I yep. mean, they, they they were so out of sync. Um, you, we know they're way better than that, but it's just frustrating as a fan because the consistency is not there. And and you know, even if they lose a game like that, if, you know, if they if they lose it and they put up a fight, and and you see them, you know, making the passes and they're finishing their checks and they're winning battles, but. A lot of that was missing last night, and that—that that was, I think, the frustrating part. What do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. I mean, sure, I I understand that. You know, I'd always sooner take a sloppy win over a, a well-played loss, but I understand as we're going through the 82-game journey, if they lose three-two last night, and uh, you know they force Leonard to make a bunch of good saves, and and Talbot battles, and maybe there is a bad bounce, and they lose. You know, you know, fair, fair enough. I, I understand that's a lo- that's a loss that is a lot easier to digest. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I look at the Oilers this year, and maybe the, you, you'd hope to look at them like this every year, though the talent level hasn't been realistic enough the last few years. I mean, what do they say in baseball over 162 games? You have to have more three-game winning streaks than you do three-game losing streaks, right? Yeah. 
So yeah. the Oilers had a chance for a three-game winning streak right off the start of the year. That would have been nice. So now they have a chance to stop the possibility of a three-game losing streak because St. Louis yeah. is obviously going to be their toughest opponent on Thursday, and unfortunately they rarely beat the Blues, and I'm still not sure that they're quite good enough to consistently beat a team Saint, to like St. Louis. There's a but, lot of teams, though, in the West I feel they're a lot closer to than they have yeah. been in the past, and that's what they yeah. – like, hey, you know what? They have two games left against Calgary. They're in a very good spot to win three or four against Calgary. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 beating a team four or five times is tough. They put themselves in a good position with the Flames. Can they do that with the Carolinas and the Winnipegs of the world, who are other two opponents this week? Yeah, I know. I agree. And and you know what? Uh, I'm I'm really interested to see how they're going to respond tomorrow night and against St. Louis later in the week, because to me that's going to tell me if they're if they're focusing on what McClellan's teaching, you know, and what what he's. Uh, trying to get across because he's he's not happy and he i think he's nailed exactly the problem you know uh when you know today when he was talking and, and last night when he was talking i mean he's he's i think his expectations are higher and he's not going to get let players get away with crap this year and that's good because you know what it's time that we it's time that we take that next step i think well and i do think um that the players that especially the ones that were there last year, they really recognize what McClellan is trying to get across to them. I mean, I know a couple of guys have said to me that it's actually pretty simple if you just listen and do what he's yeah. asking you to do. Yeah. And even though there were bad sections of the game against Calgary, if, if, if you look at how they played the last two periods against the Flames, they didn't cheat for offense. They battled all along the boards. They got their bodies into the right position. But when the Oilers don't move their feet, they're doomed. And I think that's mm-hmm. been a, a core problem for them when they haven't played well over the last two games is they stop moving their feet and it's like, well, we can just throw the puck up the ice and Connor will chase it. Well, no, everybody's got to be moving around and, and yeah. getting into the right spot. Well, and, and Buffalo last night, there's a desperate team uh, they were like every player on that team was going 100 percent, and you could just see the Oilers had no answer. Uh, but you're right, and and I mean McClellan said it. I think uh, exactly today. Like I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but you know they can't. They're not going to outscore their mistakes all the time, and they have to learn how to play defensively first. And uh, you know any good team, I think if you're going to advance. You, you know that, that you have to be sound defensively and then offensive opportunities come from the mistakes the other team makes. But, I mean, the Oilers are fortunate to have Connor McDavid, but he, he's not going to be the answer every night. Well, no, you can't, you're right. And he only had one shot last night. you got to hand it to Georges for doing a good job. And, you know, it's weird, Brian, because I, I know some people are saying, well, the effort wasn't good enough. There have been spurts of really good play in the first three games, not as much last night. But even against Calgary, you saw times where they were good in their own end and they transition the puck well up the ice, and I think that's how they can create offense. I think Russell has helped with that. I mean, Secura yeah. does what he does, and I, I do think Larson's been a good addition. So you should have at least four defensemen who can be strong enough positionally and can get that puck up to the forwards. But again, to do it, you got to move your feet and you got to think, and they weren't doing either last night. Yeah, well, we'll see how they respond tomorrow, and I, I think a lot is going to be said the next, the next, like the rest of the home stretch here this week. It's going to tell us a lot about how the players are going to respond and if they're listening to the coach well and i just have a feeling that even if even if the rest of this week doesn't go well i do feel 
I, I get the vibe from this year's team that this is more of a team we're going to go on a journey with the entire season as opposed to knowing by mid-November it's lights out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe they're maybe they'll, you know, maybe they're only going to win 9 of their first 20. But you throw in a couple overtime losses, maybe they're still hanging around and and they can get better each 10 game segment. I'm hoping. You bet. Yep. All right, thanks, thanks Brian. You. Good to talk to you. 7804960063. Dwayne says, uh, "I'm glad they lost. This team didn't play good enough to win their first two games, but like Todd said, they outscored their mistakes. They needed to lose in order to learn what Todd is preaching to them." Andy in Sherwood Park says, "Can you please emphasize to the listeners this is not the Oilers of old?" There's only eight players left from last year, so it's unfair to even begin to make comparisons. You don't make the playoffs in three games. Give them a chance. Uh, because of the World Cup, we never played very many games as a full squad, so uh, we are learning to fit together. That is from Andy in uh, Sherwood Park. Well, I mean, there are only a couple guys gone for the World Cup, but I know what you're saying, Andy. All right, uh, we're finally going to get to the Benoit Pouliot stuff because I wanted to address that, and uh, Jerry Fleming is going to give us a look on what's going on with the farm team because they start their season tomorrow in Manitoba. It's seven eighteen. Oh, and by the way, Cleveland now ahead to the Jays 2-1 in the fourth. <laughs> listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Frustrating enough not to play him in the last two periods. He took three penalties in Calgary in a 15-minute span, and he took two tonight in about a 12-minute span. I don't want to be out there if I'm penalty killing, blocking shots all the time for him for stupid penalties, so he can sit and watch. Pretty simple. We have some uh, foundation or fabric things that we have to continue to fix as an organization, and stupidity is one of them, so don't play. Watch. Another little snippet from Todd McClellan's postgame last night addressing Benoit Pouliot and his penalty spree. Got benched in Calgary for 10 minutes, kept taking penalties, missed the last two periods last night. Pouliot spoke after practice today. It's unfortunate and it's uh, put my uh, myself in a bad situation, in a bad position, and I, I paid for it the last two games and play tomorrow again, so it's good. Any uh, extra discussion with, uh, with with Todd about about this? Because, I mean, the two periods was a lot, obviously, last night. You think we had a discussion this morning or not? <laughs> we had a little bit, not very long, but it was to the point. I don't even think we needed to talk, and I knew exactly what was going to happen, and I knew what I did was uh, obviously unacceptable, and it's tough uh, with the game and stuff going on, the emotion and everything is just tough right now. And tomorrow is a new day, so I'm excited for that. So I'm pretty. I was. I, was, I knew it right away when I took that second penalty that I wasn't going to play again. I think you uh, tried to send me a message in Calgary, and then I do that again yesterday. Um, so it's my problem, it's my fault, and I knew it was coming. So uh, it's unfortunate I felt pretty good in the first, and then you go take that and then go put the team in a situation where you're not supposed to get the momentum back to two at the end, and then I get a bad penalty. So I met with Benny today, and, and that conversation we should probably keep between the two of us. It was a good conversation, and Benny's a really good human being. He's uh, he means well. Um, some things of his emotions have got away on him a little bit, and he's got a little sloppy in, in some of the penalties he's taking. But um, I think having to send a message to him affected the outcome of the game yesterday because he was playing well in the first period. Uh, but we can't. We have to look at the big foundation part of it here, and we've got to fix some things. And, and being the most penalized team in the league right now is something that we'd not 
not happy with it. A little bit from Todd McClellan, who says Benoit Pouliot will play tomorrow. Some other news uh, tonight. Dan Barnes from the Edmonton Journal putting out there that the Canadian Finals Rodeo will remain in Edmonton. What, they're having it next month, Matthew, than they thought it was going to Saskatoon? But now it sounds like it's going to stay in Edmonton for 17 and 18. And uh, an announcement is expected to be coming on that tomorrow. Okay, I mentioned the Blue Jays down 2-1 to Cleveland. That's now in the bottom of the fourth. The Oil Kings in action tonight. They are trailing Moose Jaw almost halfway through the first period. Monday night football, Arizona leads the Jets 7-3. That's about four minutes into the second quarter. NHL tonight the Rangers all over the Sharks they're up 5-2 late in the third the Red Wings lead Ottawa 3-1 after two in the third period the Penguins just scored to go up 3-2 on the Avalanche the Bruins and the Jets are still tied 1-1 eight minutes into the second period Morley Scott has the Eskimo show coming up from eight to nine tonight he'll slide in for a preview as the Eskimos get back to work tomorrow they had a bye week, but they were able to clinch a playoff spot because of other results, so that's a good thing. And we'll uh, go down to the farm. Jerry Fleming. Well, he's actually in Winnipeg. The Bakersfield Condors play the Manitoba Moose Tuesday and Thursday to start their American Hockey League season. I think he's had to do a little bit of shuffling because Laurent Brossois has been called up to the Oilers, so we'll see what's going on with Jerry and the Condors. That's when we get back. 727. You're listening to 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Yeah, so if you missed the the story in that Blue Jays game, Indian starting pitcher Trevor Bauer pitched two thirds of an inning, gave up a couple of walks as well. So he pitched to four batters, and he was taken out of the game because his uh, what was his pinky finger right on his pitching hand was bleeding. And Matthew, as we were talking about earlier, he he got his hand sliced by one of his own drones. He has drones that he... I guess it's kind of like an adult toy now. I don't know. Is that like What do people use drones for? They just fly them around, right? I don't have a drone. Well, pretty much. You're just going, I guess, snooping... I don't know, fly around your neighborhood and stuff like that. I don't know what you... Well, they is don't there, all is have there a cameras drone on them, you can, do they? You can, is there a drone club you can, like, join? Probably. So anyway... <laughs> He cut himself. He was changing the batteries in his drone or something, and the propeller came on and sliced his hand. So he missed the game two start. So now he's pitching tonight, and his hand starts bleeding. And it was bleeding. If I say it was bleeding quite badly, is that an exaggeration? I mean, it's not like the blood was just pouring out like a river, but his pinky was pretty much covered, and there were several spots of blood on his pants. I mean, this wasn't a... Uh, this wasn't a tiny cut that could be quickly bandaged, right? This was a this was a gash. So Trevor Bauer out of the game, but Cleveland is is uh, leading that one, two one, and uh, the fourth inning just ended. So the Blue Jays got to try to get it going here. Oilers will play the Carolina Hurricanes tomorrow. I was talking to Hurricanes TV analyst Trip Tracy about the Canes season so far. This is interesting. Um, the Hurricanes had a three-goal lead in their first game of the season against the Winnipeg Jets, lost in overtime. Last night, they had a three-goal lead against the Vancouver Canucks, lost in overtime. When I look at it, I mean, the good is that, um, you know, the Hurricanes really have done a nice job of adding uh, uh, and adding to their skill level. 
in a couple of different ways. Um, you know, you can look at at least Stepniak, free agency, uh, Tevo Teravainen in a trade with Chicago. Uh, Sebastian Ajo is a good young uh, draft pick who's a, a rookie playing on a line with Teravainen. So they, and the fact that they have been very good early on the power play in these first, first couple of games, I think reflects that improved skill level. Um, they uh, also have had a very good line uh, with Victor Rask and Lee Stepniak and Jeff Skinner. Um, but what they've done for me, uh, having 3-1 leads, excuse me, a 4-1 lead after 40 minutes, no, 3-1, and then getting out to 4-1 in Winnipeg Thursday and then a 3-1 lead last night in Vancouver, is the, the way their team is built they have to continue to attack. They can't sit back, read, and I think that that's what they've done. Um, I think they'll learn from it. Um, but uh, when I look at the personnel and the, t- the type of uh, team in particular Carolina has up front, some very, very good young defensemen that made quite an impression in the National Hockey League last year, but they're still very young. They're a team that has to continue to attack. Um, and uh, so I think that that explains uh, why they've given up these leads, that they've tried to play a game that just is not suited for them in a third period and overtime against the Jets and then Canucks. So that's Trip Tracy, the TV analyst for the Carolina Hurricanes. This could be interesting tomorrow. Two teams that should be irritated. The Oilers lost 6-2 on home ice. Carolina has had two games seemingly in hand on the verge of what should have been four points. They only get two. Obviously, they get the single points for the overtime losses. Um, and, and this is another thing the Oilers said today about having this practice. They feel Carolina and Buffalo play similar games. So they want to make sure that they're aware of all the things they didn't do against Buffalo that they're ready to do tomorrow. It'll be on 6.30, Chad, 5.30 for the uh, face-off show the game will start at seven same times by the way for the final game of the Oilers three-game homestand on Thursday against the St. Louis Blues the Oilers farm team the Bakersfield Condors gets it going tomorrow at the Manitoba Moose their head coach is Jerry Fleming Jerry welcome back to the show how are you doing great great thanks for having me on yeah good to talk to you I mean I know players are always thrilled when the season starts because some of them quite frankly get tired of playing preseason games what about as a coach though do you still wish you had another one or two practices or uh, what's your approach jerry uh to be honest we're ready to get going here uh, i think the staff and the players we've had uh, 10 days since our last exhibition games in some cases 11 days for guys that didn't play that second ex- exhibition game in san jose so, uh, yeah, guys are chomping at the bit. I, I think they're a bit tired of going against one another and battling in practice. Uh, I, I know for a fact that they just want to get the season underway here and uh, start some games. What do you do as a coach to try to keep the practice practices interesting and competitive when you have that long of a break between games without, of course, you don't want guys burning themselves out or hurting each other when in, in a practice either? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you, know, you know, we we had a fun day there. Uh, one day this week we broke the week up. Uh, we had a little bowling tournament with the guys. We did some skill days. But it does give you a time to work, a lot of time to work on your systems with video and on ice. Uh, but again, uh, you know, guys uh, want to play. That's that's what they want to do. Uh, a couple of practices to keep them fresh. But uh, at the end of the day, guys want to compete against other teams. All right. So uh, you got the Manitoba Moose right away here. You know, the Rampersois has been called up to Edmonton here with the uh, injury to Jonas Gustafson. So what's going on with your goaltending situation now, Jared? Does this change any plans that you had? Uh, well, we were going to start LB uh, for the first game here tomorrow night, but. We'll have Nick go in net, uh, and E2 uh, should be here. Uh, he gets in 
to Winnipeg, barring no delays or or changes in flight patterns, uh, he should be in tonight around 10 o'clock. Okay, so a minor adjustment, I guess. What what can you tell us about Nick Ellis? Uh, I mean, I thought he looked pretty good when I saw him play in the preseason and in Penticton. And I mean, those numbers last year in Providence were just were just incredible. So how's he settling in? Uh, he's been good. Uh, we, we've, uh, his practice habits are second to none. Uh, you know, he, he's a competitor. He actually, uh, we've got to kind of drag him off the ice a little bit at the end there. He's the first guy out every morning with Sylvain or our goaltending coach. Uh, he's the last guy off the ice every day. His compete uh, level is through the roof. And, uh, you know, uh, he makes himself big in the net. He does a lot of the things that you're looking for in a good young goaltender. He tracks the puck well. But, again, this is going to be his first game pro. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some nervous energy, so the guys are really going to have to move here, especially early in the game. Jerry Fleming, Bakersfield Condors head coach, joining us inside sports on 6:30. Chet, uh, hey, I got to ask you about Griffin Reinhardt. Uh, I, I know a lot of fans' eyes are, were on him during the preseason, and it was a little up and down for him. Just give, give me a sense of what you saw from Griffin through the preseason, and uh, maybe some realistic expectations for him here in the first part of the season. Well, I, I think that, you know, it wasn't a camp that he anticipated having, obviously. If it was, then he wouldn't be here. But uh, there's things in this game that he needs to work on. Uh, he's come down with a good attitude. He's worked hard in practice. Uh, you know, he, he's worked hard in the gym. Um, he, he's just got to just be more assertive in this game. Uh, you know, move the puck quicker, move the seat quicker, uh, passes with appropriate pace instead of trying to guide the puck. I think these are some of the things that we talked about and some of the things he'd like to improve in this game. He's aware of it. Uh, he's going he's gonna to come down here. He's working on those things, and hopefully uh, in time he'll be an everyday player, an everyday defenseman in the NHL. All right, and before we let you go, now you got the two in Manitoba. Uh, what, what else lies ahead over the next week here? You got anything on the weekend? Uh, we play back home on Saturday night against Tucson. Um, and then uh, we head up to San Jose the following weekend to play Friday, Saturday against San Jose. Okay. Well, going to be a fun start to the year, Jerry. I know we'll be talking to you and your guys throughout the season here, so uh, all the best and go get them the next couple of days here in Winnipeg. Appreciate that, Lee. Thanks again for having me on. Talk to you. Right on. Bakersfield Condors head coach Jerry Fleming taking uh, checking in tonight. They play the Manitoba Moose tomorrow. NHL scoreboard Rangers beat the Sharks 7-4. Avalanche and Penguins tied 3-3 late in the third. Early in the third, Detroit is up 3-1 on Ottawa. And with four minutes to go in the second frame, the Jets and Bruins are even 1-1. Eskimo show coming up from 8 to 9. A little bit of a preview with Morley Scott. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Yeah, good song, so we'll let it play for a little longer than usual. Morley Scott probably likes that stuff, eh? Not Billy Joel. Is it? Your mic's not on. There. Well, so you have to turn it on. I did turn it on. Okay. And then you, and then you turned on. it I know how to use the mics. <laughs> I've been doing this for, since 1941. <laughs> that wasn't Billy Joel, but it was okay. Is that all you listen to is Billy Joel? No, not all. No, no. What, do you, what appeals to you about Billy Joel? 
I love the I love the stories. Love the stories. The lyrics are great. The the piano playing is great. The beats always great. I love in the early in the early uh, Billy Joel, early to mid in the glory years, as I call them. Uh, the drumming is great. Uh, Liberty DeVito is just a fantastic drummer. Is he still married to Christy Brinkley? Uh, Liberty DeVito? No. No. Uh, Billy, Billy Joel? Joel. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that one's gone. I think he's he's had a couple since then, actually. Oh wow, he's yeah, a busy he's, man. Yeah, he's uh, he's on wife number. Let me see. One, two. Three. I think he's on wife number four now. And at 66 years old, he he's got a... songs about all of them? He's got a baby. Yeah, I think... Well, not like Taylor Swift does, but I think he does, yeah. <laughs> Taylor Swift writes a song about every boyfriend, doesn't she? Well, I, mean, I guess. I don't know. That's what my daughter tells me anyway. You, you, you didn't listen to the latest Taylor Swift record? Not yet. Does Did she you have a new one? I don't know. I don't know. Well, the one that came out before that had all the big songs on it, that uh, blank space and all that stuff. I don't know. Did you uh, did you see this Indians guy bleeding on the? That mouth? was horrible, just gushing. It's just and he's trying to hide it. I, I, I Tito Francona was great. I just saw an interview with him uh, in the dugout, and and the uh, the girl doing the interview says, "What'd you tell him?" I said, "Keep the ball." It's blood all over. It might be worth something someday. <laughs> yeah, this could be like uh, Kurt Schilling's sock. Remember the blood on the sock? What was that ten years ago? Uh, it playoffs? was not 04. Yeah, I think it was 04. Yeah. yeah, it could be like that by the end of the day. Yeah, it was gross looking. Uh, what was that? He said, he goes, I knew I was in trouble when I came out to the mound and I saw blood on the rubber. It's like, holy cow, you're bleeding. So Yeah, it was it was uh, bleeding quite uncontrollably. I mean, it wasn't coming out I like think profusely is the word you're looking for. Sure. For, well, I feel like I feel like I would save profusely for like a uh, neck injury. A gusher? Like Clint Malarchuk was bleeding uh, profusely. Uh, yeah. To bring back an awful memory for a lot of people. Yeah, that was awful. That was horrible. Yeah. yeah. If you're not old enough, just YouTube it, kids. YouTube it, kids. <laughs> it's not on the Snapchat, though. So you're going to have to YouTube it. Somebody should go as Clint Malarchuk for Halloween. There's a morbid idea for everybody. Oh, well, true. he didn't die, so it's not morbid. Anyway. It's funny till someone dies? Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying it's funny. I'm just saying if you wanted a bizarre Halloween costume. Gravity really helped the guy today, too. That made it look worse than it was because he dangled the arm down, right? Right, and his and then, finger was covered. And then covered. the camera would zoom in on him. The blood would just be dripping off it. Oh, that's gross. That's weird. And you know how he got hurt, right? Uh, it was 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 he the, with, the he's the drone guy? Yeah, with the that's drone what he's going to be known known yeah, as the, the drone, drone guy. We don't, I don't know his name, Tre- but Trevor Bowers. He's, the, he's known, the drone guy. He's going to be known as the drone guy. Man, the how do you heard it on the drone? Good. What happened? Uh, well, I was just reading here. Hang on, I'll find the exact quote. So I plugged it in like I've done thousands and thousands of times, and for whatever reason, it was sitting like this. He had it with him, and I was plugging in the battery. And my finger happened to be right here. And for whatever reason, these three propellers didn't spin like they were supposed to. And this one spun at max throttle. So one of the propellers on the drone cut him. And it was 10 stitches. And this was Saturday, right? Because he was going to start the second game, right? Yeah. And yeah. This was on Saturday. And they felt that a couple days later, he could pitch with 10 stitches in his pitching hand? Uh, yes. Oh, there's a big shot by Bautista. It's going deep, and it's caught at the warning track. Oh, bummer. It's 2-2, by the way. The Blue Jays did tie it up. 2-2, bottom of the fifth. Morley Scott has the Eskimo show coming up. I I didn't want to get fully into this because um, I I just felt it's a topic I've done before on Inside Sports, and I don't hear a lot of... I'm not going to say there's nobody, but I don't hear a lot of people offended about the Eskimos' nickname. Um, but, I mean, some people have been saying the Eskimos should change their name, all this stuff, with, with the, the Indian stuff going on with Cleveland and Toronto. Did you talk to Len Rhodes about this, or yeah. are you going to talk to him about yeah, it Yeah, I talked to Len Rhodes today. We'll hear that tonight okay. on, on in, uh, the Eskimo show. Uh, 
I, I like the angle that the Eskimos take, and, and they, and, and like like Lynn says, and he'll explain it coming up at the top of the hour, uh, we don't have caricatures. We just have a logo with two E's in it, and we use the name Eskimo with the utmost respect. And I, I don't have a problem with it, but it's not up to me. You know, um, I can understand how people can be offended by all these these nicknames, and I, I think Eskimos falls at the far end from Redskins and Braves and, sure. and Indians and Cowboys, for that matter. Uh, I, I, you know, where where does it end, right? That's that's my thought. But yeah, I, I the know. imagery with the Eskimos football team has never been, well, at least in my lifetime, has never been anything uh, that could be deemed offensive mm-hmm. unless giant footballs with arms and legs like punter <laughs> somehow throw you off yeah I, I i don't i don't think it's a big issue here um and i know len will uh, tell us about some people he's talked to in northern canada about it and they're not offended by it either so you know i guess everyone has to make their own decision on it Right. Well, I'm, I'm curious to hear that interview because it is one of the, and I think there are some teams where I look at now and say that is an outdated name. And I, the I, Washington NFL team would be one of them. Yes. So we'll see. But I don't think they're going to change it anytime don't soon. Don't think so. that owner has Don't said. think so. Yeah, exactly. Don't think so. All right. So the Eskimos clinched a playoff spot without playing a game. No, they played a game. They won. And because they won the game in Montreal, the next loss by the Alouettes and the Argos right. clinched the playoff so, spot. But they officially, the, the, the Alouettes loss in they Calgary did. clinched them a spot. Yes. The, right. the the two losses on the weekend while the Eskimos were off definitely clinched a spot. Yeah. So right. well, here's what can happen. The Eskimos can uh, finish second or third in the West. It's or, unlikely or they can finish, finish second, right? Third in the uh, in the East. I would say, what are they? They're two wins back of B- of Winnipeg, right? Right. So yeah, and they have the season go, series, but they have the season series. So they just got to basically finish in a tie. Um, but they need Winnipeg to lose. But they need so Winnipeg that's, to that's, lose. So Winnipeg's ten and six. The Lions are nine and six, and Edmonton's eight and seven. So Winnipeg still has their bye. Yep. Coming They're on up. it this week. Okay, so Edmonton could win. Uh, at BC. So if Edmonton wins this week, they'll be even in games. The Eskimos will be third, one win back of, B- of so Winnipeg. So they would still need Winnipeg to lose a game so, and Edmonton so they have just to win. Need, yeah, they just yeah. need to do one better than Winnipeg. Well, that'd be amazing if they pulled out a whole playoff <clears throat> yeah, game. But they're, sure. they're going somewhere. Uh, I mean, right, yeah, they could, they right, could now, play, right now they're going to Hamilton. Yeah, they could play at home to Winnipeg. They could play at home to BC. They could play in BC. They could play in Winnipeg. They could play in Hamilton. They could play in Ottawa. Those are the scenarios. And there's still a chance they could play in Toronto. I don't think so. Because Toronto's only two points behind Hammer. So they, oh, could, they I, could pass I Hamilton for second guess, in the East. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, throw that in there, too. Man. Actually, Montreal. they could still play still at Montreal. Montreal. Still go to Montreal again, yeah. Right. Montreal's loss didn't eliminate Montreal. It two just means that Montreal... Two trips to the Barbie Montreal... in one season. Yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, you'd love that, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's uh, that's interesting, all the combination with the Eskimo, though yeah. I still contend... They could basically most... play every team in the league except Saskatchewan and Calgary. But if they, if they lose this week to the Lions then they're almost guaranteed to go to the East. Pretty close, yeah, because yeah. then they'd be two wins back of BC, two wins back of uh, Winnipeg, Winnipeg so with two games to go. Right, so, so if yeah. those teams just won. And they wouldn't, I don't know, it depends on the score, right, what the season series would be with BC, because that was just a two-game set, right? So right. I think it, I think it's the, the final score. So. so they didn't practice today. So nope. what, are, what, what are we looking at Did the Oilers practice today? Oh, that's another The story, Oilers did so. practice today. The Eskimos had a CFLPA-mandated day off today, and they took it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, so what are we looking at in Tony Washington? Is was, he was hurt in Montreal? Yeah, we Tony Washington and Mike Miller tomorrow? were the two guys. Uh, okay, are... I can tell you this: I saw Tony Washington walking into the Commonwealth Rec Center today because that's where I go to yep. run. Yep. 
and he was walking in as I was leaving. Was he walking gingerly? Was he walking? He looked normal forcefully. To me. Well, that's good to hear. I know he was on crutches post game in Montreal, but that's a week ago, so a lot can happen. And sometimes they put the crutches on him just for precautionary measures, right? While okay. they while they travel home. So yeah, it looked like uh, he got a helmet to the knee. I was watching the game again this morning, and it looked like he got a a helmet to the knee. It wasn't a really bad looking play, but enough to obviously do some kind of damage there so and Mike Miller looked like a neck injury stinger maybe or something uh they got I hope he's okay because he's such a demon on special teams he is just leads the league in special teams tackles how'd you like to have his job eh run as fast as you can and crash into someone right That's and, guys will, be, and guys will be yes. running fast and, and guys will be over. stopping trying to and, stop and guys you. will be trying to blindside you yeah like not you can't hit a guy from behind but they'll be hoping you turn it they yeah. you turn into him and run as and fast as you can and crash into a guy well he's done a good job with it so he's far done, he's done it better than anybody else in the league this year all right the, so and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have won four straight, eh? Yes, they're a good team right now. They're uh, I th- well, I think, I think they're going to be a much better team. Chris Jones, the general manager, finally got out of Chris Jones, the coach's way. Yes. I think is what happened. Uh, you might be right there. You might be right. <laughs> there. Who else are we going to hear from? Uh, we're going to hear from Mike Riley uh, on uh, the Eskimo Show. We're also going to hear from Kenny Ladler, and we'll go to Montreal and check in on the weird happenings in Montreal today. Uh, they cut two veteran receivers, and hey, they're making a quarterback change again. So Gerard Carter cut. Yep. And Kenny Stafford cut. cut. But they can't sign with another team and play. Well, they can, but they can't play. They can Still sign, but year. they can't be on the 44 uh, so active roster. They can be on the 46 for or the 6. So, yeah, who's, I would, the, who's it, the quarterback now? Uh, Vernon Adams Jr. is going to start. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I don't even know much about him. So he's, Cato. All right. Interesting. Yeah. And Ricky Ray practice. It looks like he's going to start for the Argos. Oh, yeah. I thought they weren't going to do that. It's amazing what losses do to your thinking process. <laughs> All right, the Blue Jays are now down 3-2 to Cleveland in the top of the sixth. Morley will keep you updated. I even will. though he's got a football show coming up. Eskimo show from 8 to 9. Hockey tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show. Game will start at 7. Oilers and Hurricanes. Thanks for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. Studio producer, Matthew Panashik. Have a good one. But I can get- 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.